This is week six in the final week. Everybody say amen. amen. Uh, we're ready to move on, and we're, we'll move on next week, but we've got to get through generational gaps. This is the final uh, uh, message in this series. I've uh, been six weeks doing it ever since Easter, talking about generational gaps and different things, and different topics, and looking at the Bible to guide our life. Um, if you have your Bible, turn to Malachi, whether it's on your phone or in your lap. Uh, look at the book of Malachi. It's the final book in the Old Testament right before. So if you see Matthew, uh, you're right there on the next page backwards. We'll get you to Malachi, Old Testament prophet. Generational gaps. And the world we're living is full of divisions. And we as humans are prone to naturally divide. But God of heaven, the God of heaven and earth is a uniter. Everybody say that with me. God is a uniter. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, our minds, and our souls today in this place. God, let us walk out of this place with renewed faith, with a vision to go forward and do the things you've asked us to do. Heavenly Father, we just pray over each and every generation that's sitting here today. God, that they would be a blessing to those around them. And Lord, they would look to have an opportunity to serve each other in new ways, God, so that we can do this bridging the gap that you're speaking about in Malachi. Lord, let us be the people that you've called us to be. Let us live your word in our actions. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. I hear a lot of Christians say this, and there's scripture for it in the New Testament that tells us to do this, but I hear a lot of Christians say, if it be God's will, if it be God's will, and I'm here today to let you know that a lot of us search for God's will, amen, I hope you do, we need to search for God's will. But I want to tell you, first and foremost, the place to find it is in his word. If you want to know his will, what his wishes are, what his desire is, it's found in this book. Now, will he direct you in your path, in your daily walk, and in your daily life? Yes. And will there be things that where you're making a decision, and, and really there's not a scripture that just jumps off the page at you, and will his spirit lead you in that? Absolutely. If you don't believe me, you can read in the book of Acts where Peter or where Paul was traveling one time and he was desiring to go to one place to preach and desiring to go be a missionary in this certain uh, region of the earth. And God said no. God's spirit checked him and said, you're not going there, Paul. Then Paul stays there for a bit. Stays in tune with God, waiting on God, listening to God. There's nothing wrong with that. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit tells him, you must come over here. The Macedonian call. So I do truly believe that the voice of God 
has not ended and is not no longer speaking to our hearts. Amen. Amen. I believe wholeheartedly that we can open our hearts, like the song Leslie said, casting off our fear and all that, the song that she sung last there. And we need to do that and open up our heart and let us know what we need to do. But we most, you will hear occasions like that in your life, what I'm saying. But 99% of the time, I believe we can go to this Bible, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And we'll find it in this Bible. So as I was thinking about that and how these generational gaps are there because we've been telling each other in this room and during these last six weeks that there is generational gaps, that they're renaming generations now and we've got these coined phrases and terms, you know, the millennials and uh, next, generation next and the baby boomers and, and uh, the builders and we've got all these terms that we place on generations because we're segregating and dividing because that's our human nature. But I believe God today wants us to bridge gaps that humans want to divide. I believe he's asking us today to step out of our comfort zone and step into his world where that he wants to bridge these generations. Because that's what we read about in Malachi. Malachi, the Old Testament prophet, was telling the Israel, the nation, that God was going to send Elijah spirit back through another individual. And as he came, this person would mend the heart's of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I know it's Mother's Day. And I don't know, I just said fathers and children. But I believe God can mend and blend together mothers to children and children to mothers. Amen? Amen. And I, you know, it tells us in the New Testament that there's neither male nor female, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither Jew nor Greek. I know we're sitting here today and we know the difference between male and female. But I'm telling you, in heavenly principles, there is no gender. We don't have to worry about gender equality. Why? Because heaven's going to be a great place where none of those divisions that we have on this earth is going to perplex us there. Amen? How many looks forward to that day? Amen? Where we can all just get along. Amen? And take care of business. So, I thought back through scripture and about, you know, for Mother's Day and and these generational gaps and how that I believe that God wants to do things to help uh, the next generation and for this generation to help the previous generation, that it's both ways. It's uh, bi-directional. It can go both ways. It's not just that we have to learn from elderly people, but elderly people can learn from young people. Amen? Amen? Talked about it a few weeks ago. If you don't believe me, hand them your smartphone and see if they can do more on it than you and see if they can help you out with some things about how to get it taken care of. But I thought about in the Old Testament that there was a time where that the kingdom is set up in the nation of Israel. And, and we know the story in the Old Testament where that King David made a mess up. I know that's the only story in all humanity that's ever been a mess up. But he messed up, right? King David messed up. And he, he uh, looked upon another man's wife. He... Uh, did some ungodly things, really messed up. Bathsheba, right? We know the story in the Old Testament that he uh, looked upon that roof, he seen her bathing, called for her to come over, did some ungodly things. Then she become pregnant. Then he sent out and said, you know, put Uriah on the front line and had this guy killed. 
trying to cover up what he had messed up. And I'm sure there's nobody in this room that's ever tried to cover up what you've messed up. Amen? We've all tried to cover up what we messed up, but it won't usually work. You might get by with it for a little while, but all things will come into the light. Amen? So as I was looking through that, thinking about that, and then, so that the baby that was conceived there uh, didn't live. But then David ends up marrying Bathsheba to be his wife, and they have another child, and his name is Solomon. And Solomon was the one that took King David's place. He was the one that inherited the throne. There was other kids, but Solomon was the youngest, and he was the one that ended up on the throne. It didn't usually go that way. That's against human customs. But as he took the throne, he began to ask God, and God said, you know, whatever you need, you let me know. And, and King Solomon asked God for wisdom. That was his desire. God, you said I can have anything I want. I don't want power. I don't want authority. I don't want a lot of money. I want wisdom. The Bible says, with all you're getting, get wisdom. How many in this room need some more wisdom? Amen. How to do things. Amen. How to accomplish things. Not knowledge. Knowledge is different than wisdom. You can get all the knowledge you want, but if you have no wisdom, you don't know how to apply the knowledge, then it does no good. Wisdom is how to apply things in your life. We all need more knowledge, but we all need more wisdom even more. So as I thought through that, and I thought, you know, King Solomon was this guy, and it says he was the wisest person to ever live. And King Solomon lived his life seeking and gaining this wisdom. And he had people from all over the earth that came to look and even Ethiopians was coming and looking, wow, look at Solomon in all his splendor to gain wisdom. But I th thought through that, and, and King Solomon was the wisest person ever lived, and we need to listen to some of the things he said. And this is probably one of my favorite sayings of King Solomon. It's in the Old Testament. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And he's writing this to Israel the nation, and he's the king. Think about that. The authority in place at the time because God had anointed him and appointed him to be king of Israel. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 8 through 14. Listen to this. <laughs> I, I love this. I, I, I think it's just astounding to me. It just, it's just like, man, this is awesome. This, this explains everything. Ecclesiastes 12, 8. Everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> you, you read all of Ecclesiastes, put in perspective what he's saying right here. How many's ever had a point in your life where you felt like everything you was trying to do ended up to naught? And it just, that was all meaningless. Amen? Been there, done that. And that's what this king that had all the power, he had more money than anybody had ever amassed. He had all the wisdom of the world. He had all the splendor. He had way too many wives. That was one problem he had. Hundreds of wives. Everybody say, that's a mess up. <laughs> Amen. 
hard enough to keep one in Jeeps and trucks and <laughs> everything else. <laughs> Can't handle that. Love you, Leslie. <laughs> everything is meaningless. Twelve. Yeah, Ecclesiastes twelve, eight through fourteen. That's that's really. I, I mean, that's just one of them verses you need to just check, make that in your in your mind right now. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that one down. Everything is meaningless. So whenever you go out and this week, and everybody be like, "Why'd your pastor preach on this week?" Uh, everything's meaningless. That's just everything means nothing. But I, I love this. He says, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Keep in mind the teacher. He's called himself a teacher. He's the king. He's the authority that God has placed. And he's calling himself a teacher. And this teacher was considered wise. Oh, by the way, happy teacher's week. Amen to the teachers. Come on, everybody. Happy Teacher's Week. Give them a big hand. Yeah, Teacher's Week's a good thing. Oh, it's Nurses' Week, too. I'm not going to forget them. I wrote it down here, made sure, because I made a mental note. Happy Nurses' Week. Yep, yep, all the nurses. Thank you very much. Got that, didn't I? I could have I read over that and missed that. I, I couldn't handle that. Was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. Wow. Somebody that's wise passes on to the next generation and don't hold it back and hoard it up to their self. Wisdom is passing on knowledge and wisdom. So he passed it on. He taught everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. This is for the seniors. Verse 10. The teachers sought to find the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like nail-studded stick, which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. This has come from a teacher. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. Amen? How about that? See, any seniors in the room? Much studying wears you out. I'm tired of school. I remember being there in high school. And, you know, we're coming towards the end of the school year here. And I remember being a senior thinking, I can't wait to get out of this place. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go out and tackle the world. Then you get away from it about two years. And you're like, man, I miss a bunch of my friends. I ain't seen them since I don't know when. Then 20 years later, you come to reunion and there's people there that you haven't saw since graduation night. And you're looking forward to getting away from studying. Because much studying wears you out. And I'm here to tell you today that somebody with a very low GPA average, because I didn't apply myself in school, and Leslie told me I'm never allowed to say my GPA anymore because she's embarrassed of me. I have went on throughout life and continued in study and continued gaining more certifications, more knowledge, more wisdom, more all this stuff. And I look to elderly generation, and I love sitting down at the feet of old people, uh, well, senior people, I'll say it that way, not old people, and listening with my ears and with my heart to understand from their perspective. 
So you can get wore out in learning. So take a break every now and then from learning. But don't ever give up and say, well, I know it all, and there's nothing more to figure out. In this room, you need to know that the world is full of this. And it even says in John that, that John is t the disciple that Jesus loved. He, he's saying if, if everything was taken into account that Jesus performed, the miracles he performed and everything, if it's all wrote, written down, that you would not, the world couldn't contain the books that would hold all that stuff. Verse 13. This is the one I'm wanting to get to. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. So as I'm concluding generational gap, I look to this verse. This is the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion, says this teacher. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. He don't say this is some people's duty. He don't say this is the old people's duty. He doesn't say this is the uh, middle age, you know, the empty nester's duty. He doesn't say that this is a millennial's duty. He doesn't say this is generation next's duty. He says this is everyone's duty. Obey God and keep his commands. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Amen. Yeah. So as I thought through that and, and thinking about this generational gap, and, and I, know, I know I'm this uh, message series is termed generational gap, and that's kind of looking towards the negative and saying that there's a gap there. But we're sitting in a church called The Bridge. And whenever we named our church The Bridge, a few years ago we was intentional about it to saying that we wanted to be the bridge that bridged races of people that could come and sit in a room unified in spirit and searching for God. And we didn't have to look at each other with differences but say we're all one united in this effort that we're going to seek God while he may be found. We said we wanted to bridge generations where the old people could come, young people come, uh, middle-aged people could come, that little babies could come, that every generation could be here, and we wanted to bridge those generations. So the name of our church is the name Bridge because we want to bridge all those things. I would even like to see us be able to bridge ethnic groups in from people from different countries that if they move in, that we would be a people that wouldn't look at people. And I preached a sermon a while back, you know, where we're not allowed to say any longer. And I've caught people saying it since. I said you're not allowed to say it, but you still say it. You're not from around here, are you? Everybody remember that one? Shouldn't say that. We should be a people that says, we're glad you're here. You may look different than me. You may cook different smelling food and that old stinky curry and all I don't even like it but that's okay come on in amen come into the county be blessed we love you we want to be the bridge and God will judge us according to every secret thing we do so it just isn't just about doing that in the open but then behind the scenes well, I can't believe and I don't like them and I can't believe they're you know and having all these things we got to say about these other people if we're behind the scenes saying it God knows it Amen? And what are we saying here should be how we live out there. Amen? When we walk into this world, we're representing the kingdom of God in our actions, in our words, and in our deeds. So as I was thinking through this, and I was thinking, you know, bridging generational gaps, and I, I couldn't help but end this sermon series with Jesus. 
That's, that's a pretty good topic, right? Let's that's, that's that's always go back to Jesus. And uh, thinking about Jesus and his relationship between him and his mother. So as I thought through Jesus' life, and Jesus was wise. I think he was even wiser than Solomon. Amen. He's the greatest that's ever lived. Amen. So he's got to top Solomon. So Jesus, I think through his life in just like general terms and these uh, uh, generations of his life, if you want to say it that way, and, and points in his life. And there's a story in Luke chapter 2. This is early on. This is right after the Christmas story where we can read and set in candlelights and, you know, have Santa Claus come and all that and everybody gets presents. But this is Luke chapter 2, verse 49. It talks about where that Jesus was on a trip with his parents. Anybody like vacation? Yeah, nobody in here likes vacations? Come on, it's vac vacation season's coming. Amen. Glory to God. Book you a vacation. Go take a rest somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to the beach. I, I don't like beaches. Leslie wants to go to the beach. Uh, she's went with Sandy to the beach. Uh, she went with other people to the beach. I have at it. Anybody wants to take Leslie to the beach, just book her in your trip. She'll go with you. <laughs> okay. She'll have her own money. You just let her tag along with you. I'll make sure she's got the money that she can buy her own food or something, you know, and give you some gas money and all that. Vacation draw awesome, Amen. But here's their family every year in, in Jewish custom was you, you went to Jerusalem during this feast. And it was, it was a season where the, all Jews made this major, major big trip and headed towards Jerusalem, the capital, so they could see it. And they wanted their kids to experience it. And they, they, all this thing that the Jewish customs and all the Old Testament law and the Pentateuch and all that stuff, it was all on full display right in front of everybody in Jerusalem. And it's an amazing thing to see, and it's like that for us. You know, we can go to Washington, D.C. And, and look at the monuments and, and, and look at all the, the splendor that's there. You're just in awe when you look at something like that. And passing that on to next generations, they were intentional about it because God instructed them to do so. So as they head into there, and just imagine this little uh, boy, he's 12 years old, and his name's Jesus, and he's, he's grew up, and his mom's been taking care of him, his dad's been taking care of him, and, and they're heading on this trip and this, this voyage they're going, and, and they're heading across there. And can you imagine him coming to this city set upon a hill? And just the splendor of Jerusalem, a place that I've always wanted to see, a vacation I'd always wanted to take. And as he walks up and sees this, he's just in awe. And he gets up there and he hears all these wise people sitting out on the street corners and, and, and talking to little groups of kids and having to sit around and them explaining some things to them and, and teaching them religious things. And Jesus is so caught up in all this that he just sits at the feet of some of these wise people and they begin to ask questions. And Jesus is giving answers back that even astound some of the wisest people in their nation. But in the hustle and bustle, mom and dad... And aunts and uncles and everybody, they tried to go in an entourage just to make sure that anybody that wanted to do ill, better off traveling a pack. Amen. Nothing wrong with having a posse. Get you a linked armed group of people. Have you some prayer warriors around you that will help you through trying times. So as they're heading into Jerusalem, they're going not alone, but they're in a big group. Leslie keeps saying she wants to end up with the bridge church doing some kind of 
a big trip on a big boat out in the big waters. It's called a cruise. Okay, I, I don't know what it's called. There you go. So, uh, yeah, it, it, someday yeah, we, we could hook that up. We, we need to do about a year and something out so that we make sure and get that done. And I guess 2022 sounds like a good as year as any, right? So if anybody wants to try to help uh, set that up, uh, travel agent, they're back here in the corner, right, right there. Ra raise your hand real big. There's your travel agent right back here. She's she's sitting there. She'll she'll help us get that booked up. So it's all good. So anyway, anyway, get back to the story, Ben. What what are you doing? Okay, age twelve. Jesus is there. He's in awe. He's in wonder. He's looking at all this stuff. In it just and, and next thing you know, the family kind of gets separated. He's like, I'm gonna hang out over here with the smart people. Everybody say that's pretty smart for a twelve year old. <laughs> Amen. I know a lot of 12-year-olds, they ain't like that. Amen. So Jesus is hanging out with the smart people. He's hanging out over there with the club of those wise people sitting there giving wisdom. He's, he's soaking it in. But next thing you know, the family goes through the whole big procedure and gets all the stuff done and fulfills all their, their Old, Old Testament uh, things that they had to do, the sacrifices and all those things. And the next thing you know, they head out of town. They're heading back home. Let's run back to Galilee, right? Let's, let's head on up the road. They're all getting out through there, lolly, woo, what a great time, good vacation. Next thing you know, they look around, and Mary and Joseph, I don't know what they had going on, but apparently the moment had them starstruck too, and they start looking around, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Everybody in the crowd, oh, no, I ain't seen him. You seen him? No, I ain't seen him. You seen him? And you, if anybody's ever been involved in something like that, uh, I did it on purpose to my mom when I was a little kid, you know, hiding in the clothes rack, man, Howie, one time. It freaked her out. She, you know, and then by the time she was screaming and hollering, we were scared to come out. You want to lose Howie and Ben in the middle of a store? I know Portsmouth's a bad place, but it ain't that bad. Come on. <laughs> anyway, they, they eventually found us, but she had everybody in the store looking for us. And she made us do that all through life. We was, we was like 15 and 16 and had to hold hands and walk together. <laughs> Afraid somebody's going to steal us. Happy Mother's Day, uh, yeah. I must be pretty valuable, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. She still does it. Text me last night, 1230. You home yet? Yeah. Yeah, I'm close. Real close, Mama. <laughs> I love my mom. I wouldn't trade her for any of them. But they lost him. Next thing you know, they're, they're, they're pretty far out of town. And they have to go back into this big, major city known as Jerusalem. And there's people everywhere scared to death that they lost him. Scared to death of the stories that Jesus taught about later like the Good Samaritan, that somebody beat somebody up and left them for dead on the side of the road. Can you imagine all the things going through their head? This is 12-year-old Jesus. And when they finally found him, and they found him sitting there at the, at the feet of those wise people, and they asked him, what, what are you doing? He said, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? How many would like for your 12-year-old kids to be hungry for God? For they'd rather do that than anything. He could have been over getting, what do they call them, like uh, the, uh, what do I like? Those cake things you get when you go to like the 
funnel cakes. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine Jesus just smelling the funnel cake over there? It's like, oh, I want one so bad. He's like, no, I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to listen to this wisdom right now. How many of you like your kids to do that where they didn't walk up to you, Mom, give me $5. I'm going to give me a funnel cake. No, I'm going to sit over there at the feet of wisdom. That's what 12-year-old Jesus was doing. Why? Because he had come from a people group, and he was the lineage. And as it come, it's raining. Yeah, it's raining. That's that's rain, baby. That's that's good. We need it. Help the farmers, Jesus. So, age twelve, this hungry little teenager is seeking and searching for knowledge and wisdom of God, his Father. Let's pray that over our next generation. Let's be a people group that expects that, that we don't expect them to do the wrong or always be in the bad, but we pray over them and speak blessing over them to say, let them be children in this church and in all of our community that searches for God. Amen. Amen. And whatever they're doing, let them be people that searches for God wherever they're at. So he was thinking through this, and I'm sure he had heard stories about Solomon, Jesus had. Then the next thing you know, you go through Jesus' life, and there's like these pyramiding points. There's the, there's the birth. We know that during, you know, Christmas season, Jesus is born, wrapped in swaddling clothes. and Then we got this age 12 where we see a picture of him still searching for God. Then he goes absent. We see nothing through Scripture that we know anything about where he was or what he was doing. And there's a major gap between the age of 12 and the next time we hear of him is the age of 30. And this, at this age, Jesus was invited to, to a, a wedding. And as he comes to this wedding, he comes in, and you know, his mom, family, and brothers, sisters, all of them's there, and it's this great time. And, and he, he's there, and he's going to celebrate. And, you know, he don't want to be the focus. He don't want to be the total attention of everything. He's just there hanging out, wanting to be at a wedding. And as Jesus is there... You know, the way it goes on, and the story is, it's in John chapter 2. You can read this. So Luke 2, John 2, we're jumping around here a little bit, but John 2 is the story. And Jesus is there, and, and his mom comes up to him because they had run out of wine. And she tells Jesus, hey, one of those miracle things, and I don't know if she had seen Jesus do multiple miracles in her own home <laughs> or what, but here she is. She walks up to him, you know, you know it'd be nice, Jesus, if you could help us out right now. How many like Jesus to help you out? Amen. Amen. To bail you out of a little bit of a burden. Amen. Lift some of this weight off of us, Jesus. And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. I I don't see it happening right now, Mama. No, Mom. Don't tell your mom no. (laughs) No, don't tell your mom no. So Jesus there, and he told her no the first time. She comes back up, and she said, okay. Then she told other people, whatever he says, do, just go ahead and do it. You know why? Because that's what moms do. Amen. They set you up because they know you're going to end up doing it anyway. Amen. So she went ahead and set the stage knowing Jesus was going to listen. You need to listen to your mama. So Jesus is there. Next thing you know, he tells them, you know, take these pots, fill them full of water, and he goes over. And next thing you know, they turn into wine. And then the whole story is that the the person uh, putting on the wedding event was astounded that this great wine, this really good wine, was there present 
at this point in the wedding feast, and they was just all astounded and in awe and wonder of what Jesus had just performed this miracle. And this is the first miracle that his disciples had witnessed. So Jesus' disciples was learning from this uh, rabbi they were sitting under his feet and getting wisdom and knowledge from, and most of them was teenagers, the disciples he had at this point in time. And as he was there, he's 30 years old, got these bunch of ragtag teenagers around him, and his mom tells him to do something. When he does it, they're astounded in awe and wonder at what Jesus just did. You need to listen to Mama. And that's good times. Can you imagine how many people talked about that? Man, was you at that wedding? Remember that time Jesus did? And that's what we need to do in our life is look back through seasons where Jesus Amen. performed miracles. Amen. Say, remember when? Yeah. That's why he does them. So that you can brag on who he is and what he does. There is miracles happens in our lives, and we need to listen to Mama sometimes to watch that come through. I thank God for praying Mama. When I was out living as a hoodlum, running bars, doing everything I wasn't supposed to do, my mom was down here before this was even converted into a church. This used to be a body shop that they repaired old cars in. And then one of the initial meetings, whenever they got together and said, this is going to be our church, they bought it, and they come up here, and they all prayed, Mom and Betty and Gartha and just a, a slew of people, the Fries and just so many more that I could. Uh, Eva was her name, right? Lewis. Yeah, I, I remember these people, but I was a hoodlum. And I didn't even know it, but before they put carpet down, my mom come up here, and all those saintly ladies, praying mamas, that had some hoodlum kids, every one of them had hoodlum kids, probably still do, but either way, they come and they wrote our names on the floor, about right here, about right where you're at, Jordan. My name is underneath that carpet, wrote on the concrete. Because mama didn't look at what was staring her in the face. She looked at say. What's God's will for my son? And his will is that my son shall be saved. And my son shall serve him. And she wrote it on that floor prophesying when I didn't even know it. I didn't deserve it. That's who mamas are. We need to listen. And the conclusion of this whole story with Jesus, at age 34, 33 and a half to 34, somewhere thereabout, they think in history. The final moments of Jesus' life. This is the last few breaths. Jesus has been hanging on the cross for hours. Nails in his hand, nails in his feet. Eli, Eli. And he calls out this verbiage. And they were astounded by it. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God, why? Jesus felt abandoned. 
But I promise you this, his heavenly father did not abandon him. I, I assure you right now in full confidence that God never left him. He is with you where you're at. And as Jesus looks down as he's called out to God, the heavenly father, he looks down and he sees his mom. He sees his mom with him. Because mom will stick with you all the way to the end. And when he saw his mom standing there beside the disciple that he loved, he said this, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to that disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, it says, this is John chapter 19. And from then on, this disciple took her in his home. Jesus trusted somebody to take care of his mom. Fight for your mom. She's worth it. But imagine three days later. Cindy, imagine three days later. This mama thought she lost it all. And this resurrected Jesus comes up out of that tomb. And he meets him there where she lost him when he was 12 years old. Lost him. Didn't know what to do with him. This was real close to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a little city right off side, outside of Jerusalem. The place where she gave birth to him. All these memories come flooding back. And this mama Mary sees her beloved son raised from the dead. And she walks and hangs out with him for about 40 days. And then he ascends into heaven and he tells her, I'm coming back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you. And you're going to receive, be with me forever in paradise. Heaven is going to be a glorious place. And we're going to be the greatest reunion you've ever known. Andrew, I promise you, you're going to get to see your mama. Megan, I can't get a whisper. Wait to see Raylan. I can't wait. That's what Jesus did. God help us bridge generational gaps that we can see miracles. That we can see him move in our life on our behalf. And I'm going to pray it in here today for the mamas in this room. And I know you're going to get a gift, but you can file your fingernails with that. <laughs> but I want to pray that the mamas in this room learn how to pray like you've never prayed. Amen. Because this Mother's Day, you're walking out of here. And I hope and pray that you felt something move in your heart today through this message. And you know that the next generation is worth fighting for. That you can look back and see those seniors that's still around. And you know they're worth going and visiting. 
Let's be a church that blesses all generations that we bridge gaps. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes if you would. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. This great Messiah that we've just talked about. And look at this message through your word. God, we see these words in your Bible that applies to our life. And we see Jesus. And we see what he has done. And we see the legacy that he left. That he bridged generations between his disciple and his mom. That he's the one that bridged the gap. God, I pray for the people in this room today that we would become people not just known as people that go to the bridge, but we would be the people that are the bridge. And God, I pray right now for the mothers in this room. God, that you would just cause them, that a holy stir would rise up within them, that the spirit of Elijah would come upon them. Lord, that you said in Malachi in your Old Testament, God, that the last words you left us with in the Old Testament, God, I pray right now that that would be a reality in the hearts of the ladies in this room. And God, as they begin to pray over their kids and their grandkids, Lord, that they would pray over them and speak blessing and not cursing. And God, that they would raise up and call, that those kids would raise up and call their mother blessed, just as you say in your word. God, help us to be a people that passes on wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And Lord, that they would speak your word into the hearts of their children. And let it establish their going. In Jesus' name. Amen.